0: Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Last weekend was a great weekend for the USA we celebrated Independence Day. The 4th of July was this past Saturday. And of course the women's soccer team won the Women's World Cup. That was pretty good. I'm not that big of a soccer fan, but I'll be honest with you. You put red, white, and blue on anything against anybody else. And I'm pretty much in. What's going on, folks? Clay Young back again with another edition of The Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com and on iTunes. Our guest today is a sitting member of the Baton Rouge Metropolitan Council, Joel Bowie, who has uh, been there for a while. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the city, Donald Trump's comments and the money the city gave to Trump for the Miss USA pageant, and so many other things happening in and around the great state of Louisiana, including Governor Bobby Jindal, who is tan, rested, and ready, y'all. Tan, rested, and ready. Tan, rested, and ready. That's so stupid. I figured if I said it enough times in a row, maybe it might start to sound smarter. Didn't work. So we'll talk with Joel about all of that coming up here on the show. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, iTunes, And, of course, you can go to the website every week to catch the show. Great feedback from our show with Gordy Rush last week. Gordy's a good guy. Heard from some people in the radio business that I haven't spoken to in a very long time. It was very good to catch up. My buddy Gene Gene Jones reached out to me. Gene is a firecracker. He is a true Saints fan. I could tell a great story about Gene from the uh, Saints Vikings NFC Championship game back in what was it, 2009? (laughs) But I won't tell the story. If you're listening to this, Gene, you might not even remember. If you give me a call, I'll tell you what the story is. It's a pretty good one. So, yeah, I got some good feedback. We always enjoy hearing from you about the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Clay YoungBR, or of course, you can like us on Facebook, keep up with who's on the show. Give us your feedback. Love hearing from you. If you have potential guests that you'd like us to get, let us know. We will definitely try to get them on the show for you. Hopefully, you guys are having a great week so far. Man, it's been raining a lot around here lately, huh? In the greater Baton Rouge area here in Louisiana, man, we've been getting like gully washers every day. And as I sit to do this open, we're supposed to get a stretch of dry weather. We'll see how that goes, right? You just can never tell. The saying down here has always been, folks, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute. It'll change. Louisiana, just kind of the way it works. So uh, and also, you know, I need to do a show about like highway pet peeves. Driving back here from out of town, you see things that just make you, you know, road rage is not a good thing. It's not a right thing. I don't justify road rage by any stretch. But, man, some people make it very easy to just lose your flipping mind on the road. And maybe we'll do a show like that. Maybe I'll bring Condon in when I do that show. No, maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. I don't think Condon needs a reason to go off. He seems to wake up with them every day. So uh, I don't know. But that's a good show. Pet peeves. Road rage. Pet peeves about solicitors. Pet peeves about standing in line. At a grocery store, for instance, you know, standing in line behind the lady who has $200 worth of items and then gets up to the register and decides to pay with a check. And then all of a sudden she forgets how to spell a couple of words and has to do a couple of checks. And you're standing there because you have to be some, someplace in 15 minutes. Little stuff like that. Come on, people with the checkbook, please. Please. Anyway, Metro Council member Joel Bowie on the other side of the break here on The Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com and on iTunes. There is nothing like sitting outside in the evening, enjoying time in the backyard or on the patio or in the courtyard and just relaxing after a long day. But that relaxation is often interrupted by this intruder. That's right, mosquitoes. They make me sick, and for some of you, they make you literally sick. Don't suffer anymore. Do what I do. Go to Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control and get rid of your mosquito problem. Free your yard from these annoying pests. At Pest Stop, they can get rid of your mosquito problem just like that here's john conroy to tell you where they are well at Metairie, we're at 3512 Severn avenue next to the pepper mill on the north shore we're at 1417 north highway 190 that's in the same shopping center as sherwin williams on the west bank we're on the palco just past the harvey bridge and in baton rouge we're at 806 o'neill lane use what the pros use at pest stop welcome back to the clay young show so, Metro Council member Joel Bowie is joining us here on the show. We haven't I'm trying to think the last time we did anything radio oriented together had to have been over 3 years ago before I left Jabo over the phone, I believe.
1: I believe it was. It was around the time of I was running for my second term for council office.
0: Wow. Yeah. I remember. Do you remember the first time that we met?
1: I remember it well.
0: (laughs) So I get a phone call from a buddy of uh, a mutual friend of Joel's and mine, Jason Doeys, who really is a good, good guy. So Jason tells me at the time Joel was running for the council seat that was vacated by current state legislator, Daryl Orso, and he was running against David Fukuri, who's a developer here. In the greater Baton Rouge area. So Jason calls me and he says, I want you to meet this guy, Joel Bowie. He's a really good guy just to get a chance for y'all to sit and talk. Well, if you know, Doe he he is a good guy. I I respect him a great deal. Plus he knows if you're going to call me and ask me to meet a politician or somebody running for office, they better really be good because I don't do a lot of that. But I, I was like, okay, let's do it. So we sat in my living room and we talked for about 30 minutes. And after the conversation, I gave you a check. You did. Like on the spot. Do you know that's the first time I've ever done that? Mm
1: -hmm. I've
0: given, not the first time I've ever given a check to somebody running for office, but the two things that impressed me most about you, there were three things that I noticed, two things that that impressed me. In terms of politics, you were green as goose crap, which was a compliment. The second thing was you were smart, and I thought you were sincere about wanting to serve. And that's really never changed. You've always kind of kept your head being now in your now let's see you this is the end of your second term
1: right so i'm in my seventh year yeah and
0: and and there is the elections for the city council are next fall not this coming fall it'll
1: be the fall of 2016
0: what made you wanted to get into politics and and you said you remembered that day any thoughts pop to mind no
1: i mean i remember it well jason and i grew up as young kids in the same neighborhood played basketball with each other and I had met with him and his business partner a couple of weeks before that. and The other Jason. The other Jason.
0: Yeah, Jason Enman, Jason,
1: Jason Squared. So yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we met and we talked about it. I expressed to him my interest in running for council, and he had mentioned that I have this other young man. Mr. Young, I want to introduce you to. Still a young man. Still a young man. We still claim that. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we. I remember that. We met in your living room, and you asked me, I think the first question was, why in the world do you want to <laughs> run for Metro right, Council? Right. And you had this look on your face like, man, I cannot believe you're wanting to do this. You've right. got to tell me the story. Yep. What's, what's the story? So, really, the story is pretty simple. It's pretty basic. At the time, this was seven years ago, uh, seven and a half years ago, I had never aspired to be in politics, was never a dream of mine. Quite honestly, it was the furthest thing from my mind coming up through high school and college and even post-college. But as most people, whenever you, you get married, you have a family, things change. And at this point, uh, we had just had our first son, so he was maybe six months old. And you have this realization that, you know what? This is about more than just me. Yep. It's about more than just me and my wife. Yep. I've got this little boy here that's sitting here looking at me and it's my responsibility, not only to raise him, but, but to make sure that I put him in the best situation possible for his future. So I had been involved in uh, small, homeowner associations and had been involved. Oh, dear in those, God, that's yeah.
0: tougher than sitting on the Metro Council.
1: And I know you have some experience. Yes, with that I as do.
0: Well. <laughs> One and done. I'd never do that again. If anybody out there is thinking I want to help my subdivision, I want to serve on the homeowners association group. Don't do that. Just get a trash bag and pick up garbage in the subdivision. That'll be easier. Less headaches. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No. So I had been involved and engaged a little bit with homeowner associations and involvement with the current council member, member Daryl Orso at the time. So I met with Daryl, we talked on the phone and at the time he had decided he was going to run for a third term of office. So I kind of left it at, you know what, I think I'll spend the next few years, maybe get involved in his campaign, just learn more about the process. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, I was green as goose crap. I knew right. nothing about the council. Right. Only thing that I knew is that I wanted to get involved politically and try to make a difference. So as soon as I made that decision to just sit back, get engaged, learn more about it, Daryl decided not to run for office. Right. And this was a few weeks, I think, before qualifying, Mm -hmm. uh, probably July timeframe. And timing is everything, as you know. The doors opened, and uh, at the time, my my wife was on board, met with my employer at the time. He was on board with me doing counsel Mm -hmm. and jumped in feet first. And it worked out.
0: And because Fakuri, David had been, David had run before against Daryl in the previous election and Daryl beat him. And so he was, he was going to be all in anyway from, er, from way earlier in the year, he was going to run. And so I remember moderating a debate between the two of y'all. And I thought you took to being an elected official pretty easily because you're a thoughtful guy. You're, you know, you're an engineer by training, right? And so engineers are generally analytical people. I mean, trust me, my neighbor is such a great guy, Matt. And Matt draws up plans to screw in a light bulb. I mean, this guy is super analytical. He's good, he can build anything. And, I t- and, and engineers generally are people who like linear thought. They wanna know how it works, how one progression leads to the next. So you get into the Metro Council, you're sitting there, first council meeting, what's your impression? What well, the hell did I do? No, I've never had that thought, quite okay. honestly. I've, really? I, I've really? Really. Not one time.
1: No, sometimes I wonder what in the world are these other people talking about, <laughs> and why are they here, and what are they doing? Um, but I've always stayed focused on the fact that we were here for one purpose. Leave John Delgado out of this. I didn't say I'm his just, name at all. No, I'm just
0: poking at John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but going back to the purpose of why I was there was trying to make a difference and trying to... To get answers of questions for the people, the constituents that we serve. Right. And you know my assistant Liz Alch oh, extremely yeah. well. And she, oh, yeah. she is the lifeblood of our office. Oh, man. She keeps the wheels on. She makes me look good. She does a wonderful She's job. She's amazing. And I, I can't thank her enough. Uh, and I thank her every time I see her for doing what she does.
0: I remember the debate that I moderated. And someone asked the question at the end of the debate, is Liz going to stay? Right. This was at one of the libraries here Jim in Church Joel's Library. district, because I live in that district. And uh, David was noncommittal about the answer. The crowd didn't like that. And so you said you'd be honored if you were elected that, you know, if Liz would stay on. And that worked well, because people love Liz, because when they call the office, she's the person you speak with.
1: Right. And what the backstory is that what pe- most people don't know is that I went to Liz before that debate before i even qualified and said look i will run if you commit to stay right and right. she committed to stay she
0: knows the lay of the land right right and you generally that's again you take to it because you're smart you go you don't know come here from sikkim to use a clean one and you know anybody when you take office you don't know you 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 may know the district but there's a lot of details that you have to learn on the job and you're taking live fire from the time your hand comes off that bible right, right. Right, and so she's such a she's such an asset because she's honest. She's a detailed person. I mean, heck, she could run when you're done, but I don't know that she would ever do that.
1: She would never do it. She likes to be on the background. She yeah. doesn't want to push the button, yay or nay. Uh, she wants to be uh, the one in the background yeah. doing the work, not being seen, not being heard. I've asked her to attend meetings. She says politely, "No, thank you." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what was it like? So, when you go, when you get in in 8, uh, the mayor had been there for a term, Kip Holden, and his chief administrative officer Walter Mansour was was there uh, through most of that term, I believe.
1: Well, uh, Walter had left. At, so so wa- did, set, had
0: Walter had left going into the second term. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, he did Mike, leave. Mike
1: Futrell. He, he his did. His Mike Futrell came
0: on. So, what was it like working with the mayor in those early days, Kip well, Holden?
1: G- quite honestly, working with the mayor has been pretty non-existent over the last seven years How so? um well we, we we rarely communicate uh we've i can probably count on one hand how many times we've actually sat across the table from each other really that. so really the the communication was between myself and mike Futrell at the mm-hmm. time john carpenter william right. daniel that's where the majority of the conversation happens why between, was that i don't know I, to this day I, I i've yet to figure out exactly why that is you know we've had a mayor that has uh Done his own thing. I've always said that uh, we are a speed bump on his interstate highway. You know, we shake him up a little bit, but you know what? He keeps moving forward at 75 miles an hour.
0: But that's interesting. Your district, District 9, is a relatively affluent district, southeastern part of the parish. Your district was involved in the big breakaway movement with, with the city of St. George that was independent of anything you were doing to represent the district. But let's face it, a big, your district was going to be a big chunk of what the new city would, would look like or would have looked like. And it's interesting to me that y'all have not had much dialogue in seven years. I didn't even know that as much as you and I talk. Right. Yeah, it's been
1: very little dialogue, and I don't know if that's strategic on his part. Uh, hmm. Quite honestly, I haven't made that much of an effort to reach out to him as well. Uh, the majority of the things that we deal with on a daily basis, really the person that knows the most about it is going to be department heads, the CAO. Sure, sure. You know, we're going to those individual people. So really, not to say it's a knock on Mayor Holden that we haven't had communication because it's been both ways. I haven't necessarily right. had to reach out or needed to reach out to him and probably vice versa on his part.
0: So you come on to the job three years. Well, the election was in '08, So you come in three years and some change after Katrina. And the city had, had changed a great deal. And I know we, there were some positives, too. There was some good growth that happened after Katrina because a lot of money moved up here from Orleans Parish and stayed. Right. And some people came up here and bought homes and stayed, specifically in the southeastern part of the parish. The crime aspect of it was good. But as Jeff LaDuff says, you know, what the people from New Orleans did was come up here and teach the Baton Rouge boys how to do it the big city way. What's your impression of Baton Rouge post-Katrina?
1: Well, I think from an economic standpoint, it's been tremendous for the the city of Baton Rouge and the Paris of East Baton Rouge. If you look at the budget from 2004-2005, you'll see a dramatic uptick in sales tax revenue Mm -hmm. post-Katrina. And that uptick has continued since then. So I think we've seen an influx of people. Uh, We've seen an influx of houses being built. Uh, People living in East Baton Rouge Parish, spending money in East Baton Rouge Parish. And even though I know a lot of people who came up from Katrina, they may be in Ascension Parish or Mm -hmm, Livingston mm -hmm. Parish, but the economic impact, for the most part, is still felt in East Baton Rouge Parish with the malls, the movie theaters, the the restaurants. And
0: a lot of people work here. They may live in, in Denham or in Ascension, but they still come to work in Baton Rouge. Right, right. How do we keep more people from leaving and going to Ascension or Livingston? Or moving out of the city limits into the northern part of the parish into central?
1: Well, schools is going to be a big thing for for families that have young kids in school Mm -hmm. trying to find an area of the parish or surrounding parishes that they can send their kids to public school versus paying for private school. Mm -hmm. Traffic is always going to be an issue that if they can live outside of East Baton Rouge Parish and avoid traffic, that's huge. You know, if you look at uh, the Mississippi River Bridge, people either going to or coming from Port Allen, Plaquemine, Uh, that's a huge hindrance on employment on the West Bank or the East Bank, depending on which side you're on.
0: Not just that, man. Property sales. Land out there is not expensive in West Baton Rouge. And there's some gorgeous, large homes there. But, man, I wouldn't want to fight that bridge every day in the morning and in the evening going home or trekking it over to the 190 bridge getting back. What's it worth, right?
1: It it continues to get worse day after day, year after year. because we're growing
0: so much. Uh, You know, we talked about the economic boom here that's happened after the storm. What about some of the crime? I mean, sitting on the Metro Council, we've had those very bad periods. I mean, it's relatively speaking. I mean, cities like Chicago have our year's worth of murders in a weekend relatively speaking. Now, granted, their population is several times larger than ours, but keeping it in perspective, it's not as bad as it could be. But what's your, what's your thought about crime here in Baton Rouge? And yeah. how does it hinder you and the council attracting business to well, here? Well,
1: I mean, statistically, Baton Rouge, unfortunately, does not rank very well from a crime perspective, whether mm-hmm. it's murder or whether it's burglaries or anything in between. Right. Statistically, per capita, we're not uh, overly proud of those statistics. Now, I will say specifically district nine and this is a telling as far as the difference between my district and the other or some of the other 11 mm-hmm. districts the things that that we deal with in district nine it's it's a little more affluent mm-hmm. area town uh, fortunately we don't experience the type of crime that you see on the news although right. periodically we sure. have in fact just a couple of weeks ago had a young man murdered at the state fairgrounds which is in district yeah. nine yeah. that's that's not typical for this area, mm-hmm. but it does happen, uh, but other council members such as Tyra Wicker, Denise Marcel, the districts that they're representing, they are dealing with life and death situations on a daily basis. yeah you know so the phone calls that, that our office gets daily may relate to potholes and trash cans right, right. and things in the big picture of life really aren't that important versus phone calls that uh, councilwoman Marcel may mm-hmm. receive. It's life and death. It's, it's kids being killed on the street. Um, I mean, it's, it's serious, serious. What are your business. thoughts
0: about that, Joel? I mean, you, you and your wife have children. You're watching them grow up in this community. You work here. As, as you said, you're raising them here. Just when you turn on the news and you see these murders and, and some of the violence going on, what, what, what are your thoughts about it?
1: Well, it, it's tough raising children in this day and age, no doubt. And the things that they're having to watch on the news just in the last couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and the questions that we as parents are having to answer are difficult. Yeah. And, you know, for our oldest eight-year-old son, uh, he's asking some very... He's eight? He's eight now. Jeez. But he's asking some difficult questions that as an eight-year-old, he's
0: trying to reason with, what this world is about. Are you uh, talking about the, some of the Supreme Court stuff or violence? Some of the violence. Well, the, the violence, but, yeah.
1: yeah, more recently the Supreme Court decision on uh, same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage, yeah. yeah. we We have fielded those questions in the last couple of weeks, and it's difficult. Um, but, I mean, we, we all know we can't isolate ourselves from, sure. from crime. Yes, it happens. Yes, there's bad people out there. Mm-hmm. But regardless of race, religion, creed, uh, sexual orientation, Yeah. There's only a handful of bad apples in the barrel, quite honestly. And the majority of the people in this parish are good, hardworking people. I agree. And you have a a few bad apples that are destroying it for everyone.
0: I I don't. And I think so so often now we want to rationalize the behavior of the bad apples. I believe you treat people the way you want to be treated, regardless of what they look like or where they come from. It's my intention to treat you like you want to be treated like uh, I heard. Scott Van Pelt, an ESPN personality, once say that he's a mirror. Basically, I'm going to treat you how you treat me, and I agree with that. But it's always my intention to do right by people. Uh, recently, here we've seen so much, so much of a, div- a divide and a debate over racial issues, and it's always frustrating to me because my mindset is people fall into two categories, you know, and I, you know, jerks and not jerks. I, I've used the uh, Another couple of adjectives <laughs> in the past. But, you know, maybe whole was a part of that, but, but the word. But uh, your kids might listen to this, so we, we'll do right, because Joel's babies might listen to him on the podcast. But what do you think about all of the racial upheaval that's going on uh, in the last several years, and specifically since this clown murdered those innocent people in South Carolina?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's been tough over the last few weeks and really the last six months Nationwide, from a racial perspective, tensions seem to be extremely high. Yeah, Um, you know, I think a lot of people are really trying hard to find reasons to create discourse. I agree. In the nation, and and what happened in South Carolina, there's no excuse for it. None at all. Uh, Wouldn't even dare to try to make an excuse for what happened there. It's pathetic. It's 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 horrible that that happened. Um, From I'll tell you from a council perspective that. from a racial standpoint, I don't see it. Now, qu- coincidentally, on this council in the last three years, we have seven white males mm-hmm. and five black females. Yes. And coincidentally, it's seven Republicans and five Democrats. Wow. So a lot of times things are voted on and um, it's, it's split along party lines. Yeah. Or depending on how you want to spin it, it's split along racial lines. Yeah, uh, But at the end of the day, uh, from a council perspective, and, and I tell Denise this all the time, we joke about it. Look, you and I are never going to vote the same way. Right. We never will. Right. And I think right. we voted once or twice the same way, but it's been very few and far between.
0: When was that? Was it on cupcakes or coffee?
1: Probably cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> but we leave the council chambers Still friends. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, we know and we have a great relationship that we're going to we're not going to agree most of the time Mm -hmm. on political things, but we know how to agree to disagree.
0: And it's interesting. This council, as far as I can recall, has largely avoided any big blow ups that have gotten the media attention media's attention about, you know, fights. I mean, there have been some. Pretty vociferous disagreements, but heck, a lot of those have been between Donna Collins-Lewis and Denise Marcel more so than anybody else, right? Right. Uh, Because they look like they can't stand each other, but I won't ask you to comment on that. I'll say it. I know you're thinking it, but I'll say it. Um, The city of St. George. This this pops up, I guess, four years ago. Uh, This was 2012, I think, was when this thing really got going. So nearly four years ago when it started. Were you asked to sign on and be a part of the leadership of the movement?
1: I think it was maybe four years ago. Mm -hmm. I was asked to attend a meeting uh, where we talked about the independent school district. Right. I went to that one meeting, and I haven't been to any other meetings
0: since then. Why is that? Why did you decide not to go back? Well,
1: and it wasn't that I disagreed at the time with the independent school district. From a personal standpoint, I think ISDs are a tremendous thing. We see them in neighboring states. Texas. Yeah, Texas yeah, is, is a great showcase for ISDs and how they work. Um, I decided from a political standpoint that I wanted to take a step back from that, not get engaged. I didn't want to be on the front line to let the constituents decide how they wanted this to go, uh, mm-hmm. you know, see how it played out. Uh, see who got engaged, see who didn't get engaged, right. and see how the process played out. And as you know, you know they spent two years at the legislat- this legislature trying to get approval for the ISD, which didn't right. work out, and here they are today uh, attempting to create the city of St. George.
0: And so this whole thing went on, and you stayed relatively quiet about it, basically staying out of the way of the process you know allowing the people to vote one way or the other but there was a council vote last year i recall and i don't remember what it was and you didn't vote the way some of them wanted you to vote i can't recall what it is at the moment was it was anne- it was about the annexation issue is what it was correct yes it was the annexation of the mall that yeah. was the issue and so your vote was to
1: annex the mall property to, into to the city of Alabama. to allow
0: the mall to be annexed because they asked to be annexed into the city. Correct, and that's the way that it has to happen. Correct. Correct. And your vote was to allow that to happen because they wanted to do it. Correct. Now you got some heat, I know, because of that. Talk about that, and then I've got a follow up question about it as well. But but what 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 kind of heat did you get? I
1: took a lot of heat for that. <laughs> And let me say, you know, the city of St. George, the petition uh, signatures, if you will, Mm -hmm. that was their uh, constitutional right to to form a committee, to circulate a petition. Um, Business owners don't have the right to vote on any of those items. They don't have the right to sign the petition or not sign it. Sure. Uh, So our constitution allows them, if their property adjoins to the city of Baton Rouge, they can petition the city to be Mm -hmm. annexed in. And we've annexed other properties in the past right the timing people can obviously come up with a conspiracy con- conspiracy theory that it was suspect, which I agree the timing was suspect. yeah but you have a multi-million dollar uh, property or multi-million dollar business right meaning the mall of Louisiana sure. that made a financial decision, a business decision. They weren't forced to do it no they petitioned us and even if they were asked by the mayor to do it, that they were still making a business decision that had to go before board. Do you
0: think their arm was twisted at all, though?
1: I don't see how you could twist their arm.
0: I mean, mm. they're, they're a large sure. business. But if the city it, says, hey, if you don't want to be annexed in or if you don't do this, whatever subsidy or TIF or whatever could come up down the line, we're not going to play ball with you.
1: I mean, I guess they could have been scared into doing yeah. it, but I think we're all big boys and girls sure. here, and that they made a business decision that was based on a return on investment. They now, knew that they were going to spend extra money on taxes. Right. That they were going to do this. They were going to do that. Right. Um, and they made that decision to do that.
0: And the mall's going to be okay no matter where it is, anyway. But I right. think you were working towards saying that the, they have the right, just as much as pet- petitioners have the right to petition to, to create their own city, the mall. Has a right to ask into the city of Baton Rouge. Right. I mean, so I got the logic behind the vote. Uh, I didn't get some of the rhetoric that went on the us versus them rhetoric, the racial rhetoric. I just didn't think it helped anything. And I think it took a debate over policy and schools and turned it into Hatfields and McCoys when it didn't need to be that. Right. Well, does, is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, I think it's fair. And, and the day of that vote, or actually the day and the day before, I had two conversations on the phone, one with um, Mr. Browning
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. one with
1: Mr. Rainey. Oh, boy. And, and the discussion was, as long as the annexation of the mall does not invalidate the petition, mm-hmm. they're okay with it. It's not about a money grab. It's not about trying to pull these high-revenue areas. Right. It's about getting the independent school district so we can educate our children we had gotten a preliminary report back from the Attorney General because we had asked for an Attorney General's opinion. Mm-hmm. And we were pretty confident the morning of the vote that even if the mall was annexed, that it would not have any impact on the validity of the petition. So the petition moves forward. The annexation of the mall moves forward. And quite honestly, the, annex- the mall annexation, the line item on our agenda, mentions nothing about St. George. You know, St. Uh-huh. George got thrown into there as an indirect consequence, if right. you will. Right. Uh, it, it, the, the agenda item had nothing to do with the city of St. George. Because
0: it doesn't exist. Yeah, it doesn't exist. The city of St. George doesn't right. exist. Right. So then this happens. And so we fast forward ahead. I mean, this, this thing got a lot of national attention. Hell, I did an interview with NPR, a show that airs on NPR about this. And they sent a young lady down or over from California who was going around and meeting with people talking about, you know, this area. And, you know, why this is going on. And and it really became nationally, some people made it into a story of rich white people want to uh, take themselves out of poor black Baton Rouge. And I I remember telling her. Yeah, I don't really think that <laughs> that's exactly what's going on here. Could there be racial players involved? Hell, probably so. I mean, how could you say with, with 100% certainty that that isn't the case at all? But that isn't necessarily the way this whole thing started. In fact, that isn't how this whole thing started. Right. It's not. Not yeah, at all. Yeah.
1: I mean, the first meeting I went to, it's been clear since day one that Mr. Browning and the, the people that he brought together, yeah. this was about— Neighborhood schools right. and having public school options for the children that live in this area. That's it. Mm-hmm. Other people have taken the rhetoric and have have morphed it into this racial issue or financial issue. It's turned into things that it's not today.
0: So it's it's interesting because now where we are, the petition bid has fallen short by some seventy-one signatures, I believe. I believe so. And the the proponents of the new city are taking this issue to court. In fact, I think as we sit to record this show, they're going into court today. I think so. Trying to—and do, do you have any clear picture of what they're trying to do?
1: Well, I think you have the City of St. George uh, petitioners who are requesting— they've, they've noticed some things on the petition. They mm-hmm. feel like th- uh, signatures weren't counted properly. Yeah. So I think my, my personal opinion is that you're going to have a judge that's going to decide— obviously how this thing is going to oh, go, man. which is going to be the case from here on out. No matter what happens with the city of St. George, unfortunately, yeah. it's probably not going to be the voters that decide. Yeah. It's going to be a courtroom.
0: Yeah. So
1: I would expect, given the fact that it's such a small percentage difference, the 71 signatures, and there's probably mistakes on both sides yeah. of the fence that a judge may mandate a recount. Now,
0: which 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 would mean basically that they get the chance to do it again, or at least to have a recount and, and it isn't dead now. It's just hanging in limbo. Right. Right. <laughs> which is, which is almost l- like bringing it back to life. Right. Isn't it interesting how policy and direction, how everything is being shifted down, shifted around to to the judicial branch and how electeds And meaning executives and legislative representatives are now almost being placed in a secondary role to what courts decide now. The highest court of the land and then these local courts. I mean, this judge is basically going to decide whether this thing lives or dies.
1: Right. I think it goes back to what I said earlier about people have lost the ability to agree to disagree. Yeah. So we can't agree to disagree. I'm going to sue you. Yeah. Let's go to court and we'll, we'll have a judge decide.
0: And it just puts so, in my opinion, it puts such an interesting spin on judges who are elected versus appointed. Because I actually don't think judges should be running for office. Uh, I actually agree with judges being appointed. Whether there should be a lifetime appointment, I could probably argue against that. But to have judges having to run for office is always something that I've looked at and gone, you know, how do you avoid these people making promises to someone when you have them out there campaigning? And here we are now, you well, know, with this St. George thing, depending on the judge's politics or what people know about his or her politics, there's going to be backlash one way or the other after it's over.
1: Right. There will be,
0: depending on the, t- on the, on the decision. So, I don't know, man. So, St. George is, is dying. Did, was there any relief on your part when the news broke that they had fallen short?
1: No, I wouldn't say it was relief. I mean, I knew that it, it's not going to be over with. mm mm-hmm. um, even if they fail in the courtroom today to get relief or get a recount, yeah. I don't think it goes away. and, no, and it's not going you away. Know, whether we go back to the discussion of ISDs or you go back to the discussion of the city of St. George, I don't know where it's going to go. But I'll tell you, the tension in the area has only gotten deeper. Oh, no question. Deeper People are pissed deeper. off, man. Oh, yeah. It, Very it's, it's bad. pissed off, yeah. And, and, and the longer it goes on, the deeper the tension gets. yeah. And people are just flat out angry. Yep, they're mad. Yep, they are. They're just pissed off at the world.
0: Well, there's a new school superintendent in East Baton Rouge Parish, Warren Drake, who's getting all this fanfare, and I think a lot of it is because he stands in stark contrast, in almost every way, to Bernard Taylor. And I don't even mean that uh, not necessarily racially, because because listen, he got a unanimous vote. He got the job unanimously that I can't remember many things that this school board has voted unanimously on, but he's a good guy. I've sat with him on a few occasions and we've talked about his direction. He wants a system that people can be proud of. I think he helps this process a whole lot.
1: Oh, he does. I think he's got a proven track record. I don't know the, 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 the man. Mm-hmm. I've never met him, but based on what I've read about him and what I've seen and what he's actually done, yeah. his performance in the past, yeah, I think, uh, I think the school board made an excellent hire when they I hired him. Yep. And probably going back to the question you asked me seven years ago, why? Why do you want to do this? Um, you know, Certainly, I hope that um, I wish him all the success. He's got a huge, huge job in front
0: of him. He's ready for it, man. Yeah. He's 63. He's had such, such success in Zachary. Sat with him before, let's just be, say before he was on the public's radar. Had a conversation with him. And it's about legacy. It's about him living in this community. Uh, he, he he just married off a daughter. And he's thinking about what's in the future. Now, he's a type A personality. Alpha male And he loves organization, all things that I think we both you know, we both like we we both can identify with. But he's not in this to be a politician like in the article in The Advocate over the weekend. he's, He's basically saying, I'm not a savior. I'm nobody's hero. He just wants to do the job. And here's the thing. He's fueled by not wanting to screw it up. Don't think for a second. Warren Drake doesn't realize how big this job is. He does. But the pressure really is not on him, to be honest with you. I think the pressure is on all the rest of us because if we've got a guy who can do the job, it's up to us to give him everything he needs to do the job. And if we do, I think he will. If we don't, I mean, hell, he can always say, I never got what I wanted to do the job.
1: Yeah, Never had the support
0: that I needed never to Never had the happen. support. And that's the way that I look at it. And so he's not going from this on to something else. I think he's a transitional superintendent. He's the guy, as I, call, I like to call it, the janitor. He's going to come in and clean up the mess. And then hand the job off to somebody else, possibly even, who knows, down the line, maybe Hollis uh, uh, Milton over in West Feliciana will hop over here. Hollis is a young guy, and, I mean, he just signed a new agreement over there, I think. But, hell, look at that school system.
1: Right. Well, you bring somebody in that can change the culture over the next few years, and then he puts in the procedures and policies in place to keep that culture moving and then pass it on to the next generation. And he's to keep it going to do
0: it. Because children in the inner city, especially in my opinion, a lot of what's happening in inner city areas goes back to the schools. I think we should give children a chance to get out of tough situations. And the way to do that is to engage them in the classroom. You're not going to get all of them because, quite frankly, some of them come from homes where nobody gives a crap about what they do in school or what they do when they get home. But for the kids who are fighting to get out of those tough situations and the parents and guardians who want them to get out, they deserve a school system that's going to give them a chance.
1: They do, because let's be honest, they spend more time at school than they do at home. No
0: question. No question. And then affluent areas of the town, I'm sorry, this may not be the most politically correct thing to say, and maybe people cringe, people cl- cringe when they hear it, but if you're making money— And you're able to afford private school, you're probably not going to put your kids in the public school to make some kind of a political or public statement because you're worried about the crime, you're worried about the quality of the school buildings, and if you can afford better for your children, you're going to stroke a check. And so if the school system wants to compete to get your kids, then give me a freaking school system that says you deserve my kids. Otherwise, I'll pay for it. Or as many people do, I'll work two or three jobs to get them into a good situation because it's not a parent's responsibility to make you feel good about your kids. Screw that. I'm only worried about my kids. Right. It's just the way it goes. I couldn't agree more. And that doesn't matter what color you are, because if you think this is just a white parents who think that way, you're a fool. It's an every parent <laughs> You're a thing. fool. Any parent who gives a crap is going to do the best he or she can for their kids. And so in Ascension, they don't have that problem as much. Livingston, they don't have that problem as much, because the school system, way that, the way that it runs, says, we want your kids, and we'll show you we deserve your kids. And people put their kids in the public school. EBR can be the same thing but we've got to quit this other crap, this debates about, you know, put your kids back in the school, put skin in the game. Hell no, you put skin in the game, clown. I'm not putting my kids in a war zone. That's how people think. Right. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. Would you go buy a new car, full
1: price, without an engine? That's going to no. get you where you need to go? No. no. So why would you send your kids to
0: public school if they're not going to get a full product? That's exactly right. And so Warren's deal is we're going to clean it up discipline. And we're going to clean it up aesthetically. He wants good looking schools and well run schools and schools that are safe. He wants to give principals autonomy so that they can run their schools. He wants cleaner schools. And it's like, man, all these side arguments, these uh, eggheads who have pseudo intellectual debates about what's really going on. Here's the truth. Kids have to be able to sit their behinds down in a classroom and do the work. And then they need adults around them who can help them succeed. And then they've got to go home and have parents who give a crap. Did you do your homework? What do you have for homework? Let's sit down and go through it. Okay. Did you behave today? I mean, you got to do the job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. You do. When I sit down with my my oldest
1: son, he was in second grade last year. We had a, a student teacher conference or a parent teacher conference. And I asked the teacher, I said, I don't remember this much homework when I was in second
0: grade. I mean, maybe we did, but I surely don't remember that. But
1: the point being is that the parents were engaged with the children after hours. We didn't put 100% of the responsibility on the teacher to teach our kids, much less raise our kids. They're not there to raise my children. A little too much of that
0: right now. Right. Yeah. And I think, again, I go back to the initial thing that I said, that just because a child is poor doesn't mean that he or she can't learn. And I believe in these children, these inner city kids, I believe they deserve an opportunity and I just want them to have it because they deserve it. Adults who don't work, who don't try, you deserve what you get. Children deserve the best opportunity we can give them. I think it's just they didn't ask to come here.
1: Right. Right.
0: So we should give them a chance to earn their way out of a bad situation. And I don't think that's wrong at all. No, not at all. And school is the best mechanism to give that to them. So let's transition here to to one of the other big stories going on. Presidential candidate Donald Trump. Okay, so Trump announces his candidacy for the White House in a press conference that looked like a skit from Saturday Night Live. And he manages to go after everybody on the Republican candidate. I'm telling you, I was waiting on him to look into the camera and go live love- from New York. It's Saturday <laughs> night. You know, so he 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 goes after all of the candidates. Fine. He talks about our our enemies in the war on terror. Fine. He goes after illegal immigration, and they issue fine. OK, we do have a problem with people coming here illegally. We should address it like adults. But he as Trump would do, he takes it further. He says, you know, they're they're rapists, they're murderers, all of these things. And it's just Trump being Trump. Well, Univision said Univision, by the way, folks, y'all, y'all ought to be able to figure out why they might be a little bit pissed. So Univision backs away. They're a broadcaster of the Miss USA pageant. Within 10 days, NBC said, Psh, we're dropping it, too. So now the city of Baton Rouge is hosting this august pageant of lovely young women, and nobody's going to see it unless they're in front of a computer. Your reaction, sir? Well,
1: Donald Trump is Donald Trump.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's going to say what he wants to say, and I'm okay with him, his opinion. I don't have to agree with it, but, right. hey, he can say what he wants to say. Absolutely. The, the backlash specifically for Baton Rouge has been pretty tremendous because not only did the city, the city of Baton Rouge and the parish, put up $200,000, the state put up money. Uh, totally, it's like $500,000 yeah, total, Baton Rouge. like a half a rock for, for this pageant, yeah. yeah. Which, on the outside looking in, this is a tremendous event for Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. The exposure that Baton Rouge got last year, this is the second year that it'll be in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Um, I went to the event, saw it on TV, you know, saw that the Baton Rouge, it was a commercial for Baton Rouge for I think eight to 10 minutes over the course of the entire three hour production. Sure. So when you turn that in and you know this better than anybody, you can't pay for that type of advertisement. So when the council approved the money, it was with the mindset that this is national exposure, marketing exposure, um, programming and commercials that you can't pay for. Not only to mention
0: the ladies and their families and, and everybody oh, sure, that's coming sure. into town uh,
1: that have never been right. to Baton Rouge. And it's tremendous it for, the for these time. young
0: women to be able to get to that stage and have, have this opportunity in their own lives.
1: Right, yeah. right. So here we are. Um, Six days from <laughs> this being aired, yeah, and your your international audience is now gone, yeah. Your national audience is gone, which yep. Reels TV is going to actually uh, televise it now. Yeah. So I think we've gotten back Real some TV, th- Real TV. What the hell is Real? I TV? don't know. Direct TV channel, oh, okay, right. three hundred fifty-seven, something like that, right?
0: The uh, Pine Bark Network is going to yeah, come down here. So maybe it it's television. a little
1: bit better than than a streaming video.
0: Now you know the news. The news media will be here. Right. Oh, if Trump is going to be here and this pageant is not going to be on national, there will be news media here. I I guarantee you, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, they're coming because they'll do a story on Trump. Right. But Baton Rouge won't get a lot of
1: love. Well, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? I guess. So but, as long know, as they mention Baton Rouge, yeah, Louisiana 10, 12, 15 times, maybe we get something out maybe of it.
0: Maybe we get something out of it. The scene right. of the crime, I guess, pardon the pun. Right. So what was, were you angry? Were you disappointed? Did you chuckle? I mean, what was your reaction to it? Well, I mean, I was disappointed because,
1: you know, people talked about the contract. Well, shouldn't the, the, Surely the contract said something about that. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it didn't. <laughs> and quite honestly, we never would have even dreamed or fathomed. We knew, well, personally, I knew Trump says stupid things oh yeah says things that are not politically correct that's him but to think for one minute that the miss usa pageant would not be televised internationally that never crossed my mind i don't think any attorney in the city would have
0: questioned that that would have happened and you know what's surprising to me is that he signed contracts that gave enough latitude for them to be able to just drop the pageant Right. It's like right. that's the thing that's surprising. It's like, you know, he says he's going to sue them. But I'm thinking, here's Trump and you signed a contract that gave them that kind of wiggle room because you would think he would say, well, I didn't break any law. Uh, what I said wasn't politically correct and may have offended some people. But how could how could that put me in breach of our agreement? It's kind of surprising, though. Right. Right. Have, have any of his sponsors dropped? The pageant, I hadn't heard that. I haven't heard it I know sponsors. that uh, Macy's dropped him as a spokesperson, but I don't think that has anything to do with the Yeah, there's the been a few of the
1: hosts that have dropped out, a few of the performers that have dropped out.
0: Wow. Yeah, so the ripple
1: effect you know, is pretty tremendous.
0: I kind of don't like that. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I kind of don't like that. I, I I I get people being pissed off at Trump for what he said, but I think we're going to get to a bad place if we haven't already gotten there when stuff like this happens. Okay. Um, NBC is not like Macy's doing it. I could, I could say I could agree with that. Okay. I get it. Macy says we use you to help sell a product. Like we have a widget that we sell because you endorse it. I no longer want you to endorse it because you're radioactive now. So I get it. Nike's saying we, we're going to drop you because, you know, you may have done something in public where we can't we can no longer make money off of off of your brand. The TV contract part of this is like, eh, um, I don't know. It's kind of like the Dukes of Hazard being canceled by TV land. That pissed me off really good. What did Bo and Luke Duke do to anybody? You know, we'll get to that in just a second. But, but just just a final thought on the Miss USA pageant. How does this impact, in your opinion, the city entering into other similar types of contracts with people going forward?
1: Well, you learn something new every day, and we've learned something from this, that we need to be a little more cautious going into it. Um, and it's still not to say that this is a bad deal. It's not the deal that we maybe thought we were going to get. Yeah. But I still think the national exposure and the national exposure of having this event in Baton Rouge is tremendous Yeah. to, to have this event here. Would we have committed $200,000 from the Paris of East Baton Rouge six months ago? I don't know. Maybe right. we would have reconsidered. Maybe right. it would have been a less, lesser amount. Um, but I think it, it, you have to be cautious moving into these types of agreements uh, where you're paying for some sort of event or subsidizing some sort of event that you're not – I mean, we're a steward of the taxpayer's money. This is taxpayer's money that right. we spent. Right. And we take it seriously. And uh, to say we're disappointed, I think, is an understatement. But I yeah. think – we, we can't lose focus on on the fact that we still have a tremendous
0: event. Couldn't have seen that coming. Sunday. Couldn't have seen. No. I think you're right about that. Like, do you do you think Trump could say something that would be controversial? He always does, but. I don't know that I look at you guys or look at the city and go, oh, yeah, you guys should have known this was going to happen. I mean, how could you have?
1: Well, NBC, Univision, it's a business relationship. Right. Why would what one person says, whether you agree or disagree, it goes back to we can't agree to disagree. This is a business relationship.
0: That's where I am, man. So
1: NBC just got sued for, what, $500 million from Trump? Yeah. How much money are they going to spend in legal fees fighting this for the next couple years? And
0: likely end up settling out of court anyway. Right. You know, because because basically what you've done and you said you said it earlier and it is a true axiom, you know, no, no publicity is bad publicity. This thing's going to be hot as a firecracker next year. Right. Next year is going to be the year Baton Rouge ought to want to host it because it'll be making its return. And and Trump will be if he's still around by then July of next year in the presidential race. And I'm assuming no, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no, don't assume that. Okay, so, so here, let's talk about the presidential race. Governor Jindal is running for office, right? So um, this is the worst kept secret, I think, in Louisiana. I think all of us kind of knew this was coming for a long, long time. What I can't get over is the line rested, tan, and ready. Because I got to be honest <laughs> with you, I said it last week. That tan ain't going anywhere. No, he was born with it. He's <laughs> going to die with yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the truth. Um, I think Bobby Jindal severely underperformed as governor based upon my personal expectations of him. I, I knew him. Uh, I thought he was going to be a great governor. Turns out he has not been a great governor. And I don't. And I'm just being honest with everybody. I know some people may not agree with me, but that's fine. I respect your right to disagree. I think he had the potential to be maybe the greatest governor we ever had with what he came in with. Kathleen Blanco left him a billion dollar surplus, even after Katrina. And we had a two billion dollar, nearly two billion dollar deficit. Education, higher ed has been slashed and burned a great degree. We still don't know what's going to go on with healthcare in Louisiana. We have a high number of people who need free health care because of, you know, some of the entitlement mindset that hasn't been changed. He says that business is better in Louisiana than it's ever been. You know, so I don't think you fail at the job you have and then ask for a promotion. That's just me.
1: I agree. I agree. I think his first four years, I think, showed some promise. Mm hmm. The last four years, I think perception is reality. The yeah. fact that he just physically wasn't here
0: mm-hmm.
1: in Louisiana and mentally was not here yep. in Louisiana, I think that affected him. You know, you look at eight years ago versus where we're at today, is he leaving the state in a better position than he found it? He is not. And there's only a few metrics that you can gauge. One is going to be money. Mm-hmm. No, he's not leaving it in a better better position than he did eight years ago. Higher ed, no, it's not in a better, better position. Nope. Yep. Jobs, industry, yeah, you could argue that it's better than what it was eight years ago. But the reality is I don't think Governor Gendal had anything to do with that. No. Price of oil, shale yep. gas, yep. low natural gas prices which are yep. outside of the control of of any governor. Mm-hmm. No one individual can control that. So because indi- if that
0: was the case they'd be doing something about it now. Right. Because it was hurting perishes west of here because 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 petrochem has been kind of you know limping a little bit in the last what six seven months
1: well since the price of oil that's dipped right. down so far right. eight nine months yeah, ago yeah you know things have been teetering but uh, it it hasn't gone in the hole by any means i mean it's still picking up things are busy industry and in the market's a tremendous thing it's going to self-correct yeah. itself it's going to uh, it's going to correct itself every time i agree governor jindal can't take credit for that
0: he cannot and I you know I still think he possesses the intellect surely and t- to be able to do a good job if he wanted to I'm just being honest about it but I think the 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 candidacy for president it doesn't bother me that the man wants to run for president he's over the age of 35 and he's a U.S. citizen if he wants to run Hey, man, more power to you. That never was an issue for me. I know a lot of people were bothered by it. It's like, wow, you know, hell, we've had 44 of them. Why can't he run for it? But it's just the job back here. I just, in the last few years, I've always felt like we were in the rear view mirror for Bobby Jindal. And it does annoy me because it's like, come on, man, you had, if you turn Louisiana around, and do a great job in Louisiana. That's a big story you can tell in other places. But instead, what we're getting is make-believe. Right.
1: Well, I think you've seen tremendous strides in Louisiana, really post-Katrina. You've mm-hmm. seen a complete revitalization of New Orleans, which is attributed Absolutely. to a lot of female money. Absolutely. But let's forget about the source. The mm-hmm. fact is is that New Orleans is better today than what it was no question. pre-Katrina. And I think
0: Stephen has Morey has, done, it, has, has right. done a good job in the Department of of uh, economic development. I mean, I know Steve. I like Steve. I think John White cares about children as a school, uh, the state superintendent of education. So, I mean, there are some positives there. But, I mean, I want someone who's going to do the job, run the show, man, and just be all about Louisiana.
1: Well, it goes back to what you said about Mr. Drake and the school system. Let's take care of what we have here today. Yep. You know, we can't influence the other 49 states. Let's clean up what we have. Let's, let's appreciate what we have. Make sure that we're taking care of our assets and making sure that we're serving the people of our community.
0: Okay. So now, you, your term's up next year. What are you going to do? Great question, Clay. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. How about a great answer, Joel? I will. Um,
1: There's a high likelihood that I will not run for council again. Um, You know, when we we first started the show, I mentioned my son, who's eight years old. Yeah. Well, since that time, we've added three more to the phrase. So I've got (laughs) four children. Oh, my gosh. Eight, six, and two three-year-olds. Two boys and two girls. And quite honestly, life
0: is extremely busy. Yeah, you know, even as we record this, it's early in the day. But after hearing that, I want to offer you a drink.
1: (laughs) I may take you up on that. (laughs) You know, so I've got a career that's pretty demanding as well. A good bit of travel involved and obviously a family. And going back to my original mission of Serving on the council was to make this community a better place for my child and my children. Right. And now that I have four children, I need to be at home as much as I can. And, you know, to be an influence to them, uh, to be there as a husband to my wife, to be there as a father to my children— Beautiful ask, children too. Well, and and to answer those hard questions that an eight-year-old and a six-year-old ask. Yeah. They ask some difficult questions yeah. about life, and I, you know, I look back of when I grew up 35, 40 years ago, the the things that we had oh, to deal yeah. with.
0: No, it's it, very it's different.
1: different. You know, my parents didn't have to answer these types
0: of questions. So what? So where are you? Give me a percentage, or or let's do it this way, um, on a scale of one to ten. Ten would be absolutely back in as a candidate and one would be you are not running again what where would you put it
1: I'd say probably at least 90 percent that I would not run
0: 90 percent
1: yes now I'll never say never things could change Yeah, but
0: that's hell that's a pretty high percentage
1: and you know after having been in in office for eight years um, yeah you know I could run for a third term 12 years but Quite honestly, I think I've done everything that I can do within an eight-year period. Would you
0: consider running for mayor if the right money lined up and said, hey, we've got the cash, we've got the backing, we want you to be our candidate?
1: Probably not. You know, I've given it a lot of consideration mm-hmm. over the years. Because people have tried to
0: get you to run before,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've talked about it to many people, and as much as I would enjoy and want to do the job, I mm-hmm. uh, think I'm qualified, I think I have no the, the resume to do it, no I think question. I have the work ethic to do it but it goes back to family and here we are with four young kids and it's it's a time commitment
0: and you still have time i mean you yeah. don't have if you get away we get away from politics now it doesn't mean that you can't do it in the future
1: right and that's the one thing that i want to uh, make clear is that i do want to continue to stay involved politically okay now whether that is in an elected office or whether that's in some other form or fashion over the next few years i don't know but one thing is for certain i will continue to stay engaged politically and and you know, my, my, my legacy, my career is not defined by a political office that I hold. Right. I don't need to have a political office uh, title next to me. Mm-hmm. I don't need that at all. That doesn't define me. So, like I said, whether it's an elected position, whether it's something completely different, whether it's engaged in other aspects, but for this season of my life, uh, the time that I got involved in, in the Metro Council, I, best decision, one of the best decisions I've ever made. I don't regret it for one minute. Um one thing that Liz and I talked about from day one, the one thing that I wanted to to give the constituents was that they're calling us with a question.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We deserve or they deserve for us to give them an answer. Right. Now they may not get the answer they want to hear, but they're gonna get an answer. Mm -hmm. So my job as I felt it was as a metro councilman was to one inform the people that were out there. Make a decision based on what I think is the right thing for the community. Take the emotion out of it. And it's hard to take the, emotion, the emotional part out of it, but let's look at the facts. Let's make the best decision possible and be the voice of reason for the council to make the best decision possible and hopefully leave it in a better position than it was when I found it.
0: I think you've done that. I think you've been a really good council member. You've always been accessible. I mean, I've seen it personally. And in eight years, you haven't changed. And I think that's the most important thing. I often tell people that power is like alcohol. People say, well, power changes people. Or I said, no, power and success generally reveal something that's always been there, much like alcohol. The more you have, the more the real person feels comfortable coming out. And so I don't think that truly good people are changed by power what's in you will come out and you've always been the same guy you know when we met you're a little grayer I'm a little balder actually I'm all bald now but that's strategically so so I think you've done a good job man and, and I, I believe you'll be back in politics in some form or another but I couldn't I couldn't agree with or appreciate more the reason for you not wanting to run because these kids are only children for a little while I've got one chance You got one shot. And so after they're grown, it's it is what it is. So and then you think in ten years, your youngest is how old now? Three. Three. So in ten years, only a teenager. And your boy will be about to start college He'll Be going off to college yeah so a lot changes in 10 short years so if you decide in 10 years basically two terms of, an, of office you want to come back yeah nothing's stopping you by then you know the missus will want you probably to get out of the house and do something else anyway <laughs> i'll need to find another hobby at that point <laughs> joel thanks for coming on man thanks for having me metro council member joel bowie All right, guys, it's been another fun one. The Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com and on iTunes. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. Hit that subscribe button. Share it with someone on Facebook or Twitter, Uh, something about the show. Tell them that we're out there. Tell them I want them to listen, right? Give us some love there. We appreciate having you guys along for the ride every week. And, again, have a fantastic weekend And uh, hopefully you guys can get outside and do some grilling, some chilling, having some fun, and enjoying these summer months. We'll see you next week on The Clay Young Show here on iTunes and on podcast 225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.